This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on September 29, 2019. Everybody, welcome to Council of the First Ones. I'll be your host today, Renee. Kelly is not here. We got the usual cast. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves. I'm Sean, and I'm back again for the second episode. I'm very excited to be here once again. I'm Rex. Once again, I'm very glad to be back. And I'm David Clark, owner of adultcollector.org. Very excited to be back. I wanted to bring up to you guys, in a year from now, I'm going to see Masters of the Universe. Toys. <laughs> oh, God, that year's going to be long. Yeah. It's like Christmas Eve, only it's a year long. It, it's cool to see a lot of these childhood favorites in new versions back on the shelves. So knowing that we're about to get, for me, what was one of the biggest keystones or the biggest linchpins of my collection back on the aisle shelves again and on the pegs, you know, it's I always felt that. Like I'd walk down the aisles and I'm like, I know classics is out there, but I want to see them in the store. So, you know, it's there is a little bit of like exactly what David was just saying, you know, you know, and it's how cool is that yeah. going to be to finally have like that line is back. And it, for me, that'll feel like that's the missing piece I've been needing to see on the shelves again. I'm uh, really excited to see the origin figures as well. But honestly, uh, I'm wondering if they're mega construct figures with the line they're planning and what they're developing to come out, if they're going to be hitting the shelves since they just pulled them just recently this last year from Walmart. Now that you brought up, uh, are you guys collecting the uh, mega constructs? Yep. Got the Battle Bones, got Castle Grayskull, all the minis. I haven't actually gotten too into that one, to be honest. It's more of a financial thing at this point. So, But I appreciate that they're out there because it makes me feel dumb. Yeah, that has been on the shelves for a while. And, I, it, you know, it's like it's not the typical Masters I'm used to, but it's cool that that's at least there, along with leaving the Loyal Subjects stuff. I abandoned the Loyal Subjects because I ended up buying boxes. I actually did end up going to the stores. I saw a box, and I would buy the box, and then I'd bring it home. And I'd have, like, one rare, and I still wouldn't complete the collection. It's funny that you mentioned loyal subjects because I had a friend that worked at GameStop over here nearby me. Every time – I'm sorry, not GameStop, Hot Topic. Every time they got a new shipment, they called me. They would put them aside. They let me open the boxes, see which character it was. If I had it, I didn't need to get it. I didn't have it. I got it. Now, that's connections. Yeah. <laughs> that's a I'm, good friend. I, I got a big box of it when they when I first found them at Walmart. I just grabbed it off the shelf and ran for the counter, and I got some good stuff out of that. But I think that's one of those daunting lines because I had them and stuff, but then it's like the variants and all the different stuff. I, I was like, I can't keep up with these anymore. Like it, it, To do classics and to do that at the same time, I just kind of threw my hands up, and I'm like, I like aspects of them, but it's like the, the blind box thing drove me crazy. Because I didn't have the connection, so it'd be, okay, I go in there and I hope for the best if I find one, bring it home, and, oh, it's my 15th man-at-arms, okay, you know, and <laughs> it's like, great, that, like, I ha I don't have one of him, you know, and, and then there's a whole box off to the side that has, like, multiple triclops, multiple man-at-arms, and it's just like, okay, that was 15 bucks again, thanks, you know. But let me speak on the, the greatness of the Mega Constructs. One, these guys... Not like Lego figures, you know. I mean, I don't. I'm not a fan of Lego too much. These ones, 
look like the characters, miniaturized. You can customize them. That's what's cool about them. You can pull them apart. You can put stuff together. Like I got my Faker, and they had Terminator Legos, and I mean Mega Constructs, and mix and match them, and then can add parts to them and all that. Like my Castle Grayskull, I was lucky. My wife gets a discount on uh, Walmart, and they had a sale on the uh, Castle Grayskull where they knocked like twenty percent off, and then she put in her uh, discount. That's impressive. And it took me four days to put together. It's sitting there. It's waiting. I'm going to wait till after Christmas as a Christmas present myself and actually put together Battle Bones and Castle Grayskull. We don't have a Fred Myers in Texas. And so I, I have messaged uh, Mega Constructs on Twitter and on their uh, Facebook page asking them, where are they? Because luckily a friend of mine in Florida managed to get me a couple and uh, he only charged me shipping and the price. But, yeah, now Scareglow and Straddles are going for like 30 bucks for these tiny little things. It's astounding what they're charging for Scareglow and Stratos. Seriously, I was lucky and got them early. Uh, they were available. But, yeah, they're really skyrocketed. I wish I ordered a box. But then who wants a Mulder uh, Mega Constructs figure in that case? That's that's a random one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is X-Files still popular? See, I, I'll admit, I was never into the show. I never got to watch it because I grew up with four channels, and we didn't have cable for as long as I lived with my parents. So X-Files was never on my list of watch watching shows, basically. I'm really impressed with how many sets they've come out, you know, Mega Constructs, and, uh, but, I mean, they are really expensive, uh, you know, like Castle Grayskull. Uh, and I would wait and, I mean, me personally, it would have to go down to like 50 bucks for me to buy it. And, but then I would buy two so that I could make the other two sides of the castle. (laughs) I've always regretted them not doing the other two sides of the castle grace call, but that would be awesome. I'm excited to see they're doing point red for the line for the, uh, mega constructs. Well, I keep hoping like they would add up parts to it because the point dread looks nice. I always like the uh, idea of mega, you know, building blocks with Masters University. There, it kind of makes sense. And then the other part was is that you can customize them. I'm, I'm not. I wish I could be that creative with building blocks, but I have seen others do amazing things with them. I wish I could do more with my Castle Grayskull. It's to scale with the minifigures, but I can't do anything. I'm not that creative. I, I was just going to say, Legos, I know these aren't Legos, but Legos was never in my wheelhouse because when I was a kid, I remember I got a Lego set and I looked at it and I just kind of looked at my mom like, what do you expect me to do here? Because I wasn't really that kid. I was more, give me Castle Grayskull, hey man, Skeletor. I can come up with stories. Let's do this. But I was never the guy going, I'm going to build this today. I, and, and so, like, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you, Randy, about that. It's like I just sit there and go, I built Castle Grayskull. And then that would be the extent of my, like, that's, that, uh, that's good. But I'd rather have the stuff already built together. And then I'm just like, I got stories I can tell with this. I can direct these things, you know, and I'm more that guy. Just give me the out of the box. Let's play with this stuff, you know. 
Yeah, I know how you feel because I did not chew Legos growing up. I abhorred them like you did, uh, but it is Master of the Universe, so uh, I gave up. I caved. I bought them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to dread assembling them because I'm that bad at it, but I'm excited to have them. I'm also a huge Halo fan, and that's the other line uh, Mega Constructs has. I'll tell you right now, the Cortana figure, which I've never seen... I collected them up to a point. I never saw the Cortana in the fifth series. I wanted her. Now she goes for $90 on eBay, which is insane. Yeah, for and that size of a crazy. figure. Geez. Yeah, and that just discouraged me that I stopped collecting Halo Mega Constructs. I'm just going to play the games. It's, it's funny, uh, the varying degrees of collector that there is nowadays for that reason. Like... You know, 90 bucks for a like a Lego sized figure to me is like, what? But then somebody might say, how could you spend $150 or $200 on a Fisto, for instance? It's weird. It's all in degrees because like for me, I look at some of these classics figures or some of the even the vintage ones and stuff if they're complete. And it's like it makes sense to me the way my mind works and the way that my passion is. But then if I look at something like like you're saying, 90 bucks for a Cortana figure, I'd be like, I don't get that, you know. But like my buddy and I were talking the other night about even he, he collects Marvel Legends and he's telling me the prices of some of these figures. And I'm just like, that's nothing like, you know, you can get Scareglow for 150 bucks on eBay, you know, and it's like he's like, well, 60 dollars is a bit much. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like some of these figures, if you didn't get them first time and you want them, you have to pony up some of that money. So yeah, have it's, you seen it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially now with that, uh, the announcement for the cartoon and stuff, I think the prices have gotten worse because people are like, Oh, they're going to cash in on the news announcement. And, uh, it's like, you know, I saw Fisto recently going for $300 or more. And I'm like, that's where I'm finally like, yeah, you go ahead with your bad self, basically, because <laughs> I, 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 I paid more than I would for a Fisto that you know he wasn't even in package, but he was complete. And I'm like, I, I gotta get him in the collection, and I didn't really feel I was gypped for it or something, but it, it's just it's interesting even within the different lines that are out there. Like, okay, you know, some people collect GI Joes, some Star Wars and stuff, and you just see the prices on these things and it's like to some people they're just like i got this whatever you know and they're happy about it and they paid like you know three figures and then there's other people no i wouldn't do that ever right. and all stuff. the well, price point on stinkor and moss man was ostracious they were the ones that killed me getting them in the classics i'll tell you i can well, tell you moss man was relatively cheap he ended up on big lots i got him late unfortunately yeah, see, I, I'm the late guy out of everybody here, I think. And, like, I've been doing, like, wheeling and dealing through Facebook groups to get some of these guys. And I think the most I ever spent probably was Fisto. And wow. I, luckily it wasn't $200. It was under that. But it was still, like, you know, I, I finally said I had to do it. I wanted to get him. And I know he was a problem for the Maddie Collector people, like, even. So I just I ponied it up and I said, fine, I'll do it. And. I was thrilled that I got him, so that made me go. It justified the the cost, but you know, if you look hard enough, like I found a, a scare glow on a Facebook group for sixty bucks at one point. You can't do that normally. <laughs> so. Well, it depends how lucky you can be, because uh, with me, again, I started since day one and I had the subscriptions, but I had my Tila fall off the shelf, mm -hmm. 
and her neck pick broke. I was oh, like, oh, especially yeah. Tila. Tila. And at the time, again, this was like early on in the toy line. And I had to like scour trying to find a Tila. I had to find one. I saw them for 150 and yeah. $90. And I, did, I just couldn't tell myself to, I couldn't get myself to pay that price. And mm-hmm. luckily, after a while, I found uh, a guy on uh, the toy forums on Facebook who had one and he was willing to sell it to me for 70 bucks. And I was like, thank you. I'll buy it. Yes. Yeah. And that's why when super seven re-released her, I ended up buying two of them. I'm still that paranoid. But I've seen, uh, quite a few with uh, quite a few collectors on Facebook, you know, people sharing their photos is I think that a lot of people have ended up having to settle for like the filmation version of a lot of the, the main characters just because of that price point. You know, yeah. it's really hard to swallow that that, you know, eBay price. So they, you know, they opt for the, the cheaper uh, variant. Y'all saw my uh, Zodak collection. I'll tell you, uh, I got a hell of a deal on getting all those Zodaks. They were very hard to find. I was wondering that because when I saw how many you had, I just I sat there with my jaw on the floor going, you must like him a lot because <laughs> I I I have I, I think the most the most of any of the figures in the classics line I have on my shelf is probably He-Man. And that was by accident, but I'm thrilled to have them, you know, but it wasn't like I came in with a plan or anything, <laughs> but, uh, but Zodak, man, that's just like, wow. But you showed, you can do a lot of variants with that figure without realizing it. So, yeah. Actually, it's very unique that way. When I started painting them, it was just like, oh, I could do every color and kind of make it like Green Lantern corpse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I exactly. thought you were making Power Rangers out of the Zodaks. <laughs> I mean, when I see customs, I, I see them and I'm like, Okay, that's cool. But then I'm like, oh, my God, what did you do to that figure? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had that talk. I was saying it when when you interviewed me, I was like, how can anybody customize a Fisto? That's horrible. Like, that's not a figure. If I'd ever have it in my hands, I'd be like, I'm not customizing this. It's going on my shelf. Like, (laughs) I enjoyed the uh, imagination that can imbue on these characters and make new characters. And, And I can understand that. Definitely. I kind of wish that they even, again, people have asked Mattel out of this to make blank figures. They would, you know, if they made a blank figure or like, again, they had like uh, skin tones, you know, lighter to darker blank figures, they would sell because the customizers, I, I know when I spoke to, again, before the podcast, we talked about Hunter Knight, again, awesome customizer. Uh, he's told me a couple of times he would love blank figures. He would do a billion things. Mm-hmm. with a blank figure and he says the one thing that's hurting him is that he can't get figures anymore i'm seeing the pictures you have here i love it i absolutely am thrilled with it i have the regular one that came out i have zodak with the k and yeah. then i have the the toys r us two-pack zodak and that's the extent i am never customizing mine <laughs> at all well, that's why I got extras, because I could not bring my originals. But um, let me tell you, getting the Zodak Chariots was like a crowning achievement for me. I mean, I have a friend on eBay that told me about it, and I was like, I'm buying now. <laughs> nice. Was it the 3D printed ones? Uh, actually, no, they're both handmade. They're not 3D printed at all. One is wooden, and one is made out of plastics. Wow. 
That's yeah, because I saw cool. it and I was like, "Wow, is that 3D?" I was going to ask you if that was, but they're impressive. And again, we gotta we gotta post those up. In case you haven't been paying attention, it's been a weird time for us fans because Shira came back first. Honestly, I'm little surprised, you know, and I've been wanting to talk to you guys about it. And I think it's overdue that we start talking about the Netflix Shira show because it's on. It's still going on. The uh, writers had an interesting panel at the uh, PowerCon. I am for a lot of their themes. I am, you know, I have a daughter. I am completely for gender equality saying that because this time in this podcast, it's all guys now, uh, you know, but <laughs> uh, I, I am completely for having a strong female figures. I wish this Shira was around when my daughter was little, but even now my daughter is in her twenties and she watches the show and she's like, wow, that's a good show. As much as I support it. And again, I support all forms of fandom. I'm not a super, I don't want to say I'm not a fan of the show. I, I don't hate it. I, and I want to emphasize that again. I am not a hater. I am just not a super fan of the show for a couple of reasons I want to get into. Before I do, I want to know what you guys think of the uh, Netflix Shira show. I feel that the animation style they chose to use was the most off-putting to me for the show, mainly. Um well, for from my perspective, I'm I'm kind of like uh, you, except my daughter's seven. Where, you know, when the show started coming out, she was younger. We tried it out as a family, and you know, she got her eyes got wide, and she got into it. And I I tried it out a little bit to see what I was going to get into before I showed it to her. And I, I'm like, this is definitely not aimed at me. And I also was like, that's okay, because number one, like. Shira's not my like I appreciate Shira, but she's not my reason that I love Masters of the Universe. You know, like she happened as a tangent from the original line, so I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, but I love that this show opens up her wanting to ask me about what I love, and it's a it's a well written show when the when the uh, the story gets into high gear. I guess is the best way I can describe it. So not getting too far into it, but yeah, it's not bad, but it's definitely not. Aimed. I agree with the statement of, you know, when it get kicks into high gear, cause it has definitely has its lighter episodes and then it really, you know, focuses in on its, uh, the main theme of the, the story, which I appreciate, you know, I, I like those episodes the best, but overall I feel like, uh, well, the first time I heard about the show and I saw, you know, started seeing screenshots and whatnot, I thought, wow, this is going to be great for, you know, kids. This is going to be great for hopefully bringing more attention to Masters of the Universe. And and guess what? Now we've got I'm not saying that it's necessarily the only reason why we've, we're getting this show, but now we're getting, a, you know, a Masters of the Universe cartoon on Netflix. You know, hey, what a coincidence, right? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm yeah, really, we need really... it. We need it on record that they're not going to be connected. Right. Of course. Yeah. And I, I remember there was an interview with the show writers uh, talking about like, hey, when are we going to see He-Man in the She-Ra cartoon? And they said, well, we're, you know, it's not really the story really isn't about that. And uh, they said something about how they, they don't see how they could fit him in, which is fine. I mean, keep them separate, you know. 
Although, I mean, it would be really fun at some point to get some kind of, you know, direct to DVD like uh, He Man, She Ra, Christmas special or <laughs> some, some other, you know, DVD just for fun, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think the show's fine. I'm I'm on the same vein of saying, uh, yeah, it's not for me. I know it's not for me. So when I see that the the animation's a little different than what I would envision, or or the some of the themes of the and the characters, you know, uh, that's fine. It's doing its own thing. I think for what it is, they're doing a great job. It's into what three seasons? I've watched them all. I'm looking forward to more, but I it's you know I, I'm much more excited for the Masters of the Universe cartoon we're we're, we're going to be getting. I think the show has a lot of mysteries that are interesting, and like in in the first season they said the the uh, the secret word to get into um it, I, it's not the Crystal Castle or whatever, but it, to get into the where Light Hope is, she had to see Eternia. So, oh. you know, and the yeah. fact that she says by the power or for the honor of Grayskull, it's like, OK, you're connecting these dots right. in this show. But what is the payoff of that going to be? And then on top exactly. of that, we have in the season, two, I guess, season two and three, it, it all jumbled together because I kind of binged them all together in the last month. But we have Mara from New Adventures now. And it's like, OK, so we got that. We got Eternia. We got for the honor of Skull. So what is that going to lead to? Is that going to mean anything on this show? Is it going to mean a lot of things on this show? And like Light Hope kind of keeps giving these cryptic answers when she talks to Light Hope about what that means and who she is. And they're going to, yeah, she was taken from another dimension and brought to Etheria and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm very curious just from my knowledge of how that worked in the original uh 80s show to go well how are they going to do the payoffs on this show in that way and i will say one thing um it's been out for a little while so if it's a spoiler alert i'll just say spoiler alert at this point um but i i can tell you my daughter watching the final episode of season three and the whole idea you know we find out what hordak is and we find out that he like i love when they said that where shadow weaver's like what you know of the Horde is so minuscule here compared to what you're up against. Right. And when they show that shot of all the Horde ships in space trying to find Hordak, and I, I looked at my daughter and I go, that means there's millions of them. And my daughter is like, we got to watch the next <laughs> one. I go, I wish we could, you know? And so like stuff like that, it's raising stakes for people like us who love it, but it's also making people like my daughter just their imagination is now set on fire by what could happen on it. And I'm like, I'm not fighting you. That's cool. You know, <laughs> that's, I, I love, I love any storylines like that. Cause you know, when the heroes are outnumbered like that, it's like, what do you do? And I think that could be a really cool fourth season. There's a lot of potential there. Uh, story-wise. And I mean, what if they were to make a ship to go up into outer space and it happened to look like, the ship from New Adventures of He-Man, you know, or what if they did an episode where it was basically a reverse uh, Secret of the Sword episode where she's told Adora is told that she has to go into through this portal to find somebody who, you know, uh, who's going to help them. And it's and it turns out to be He-Man. Like you pointed out, they they said not yeah. there is no connection with Masters of the Universe. OK, well, they, 
they could always, well, you know. But yet they they mentioned Grayskull. And I'm well, like, okay, what does Grayskull, you you have to bring it up to the transformation, but yet well, here we go. Yeah. The thing to me is, I feel like it's like a, uh alternate dimension, an alternate universe, a multiverse version of the Master of the Universe, Shira. So it has connections, but maybe not the direct connections we're used to. Well, the, the other thing about this series itself for me is, okay, He-Man had new adventures after Filmation ended. And I almost feel like this is her version of new adventures. As, re- as ridiculous as that might sound, it's like, yeah, she hasn't been on the air since the mid-80s. And now she gets her version of what new adventures was to us as Masters fans. And then if they do another version, maybe that'll be her 2000X where we're just like chomping at the bit for every episode because it's more in pattern to what we expected it. And maybe the animation style is a little more to our liking than how it is. I don't know. But it feels more new adventures in a certain way where it's like if you want to stick through it, there is some meat to it. But certain people are like, nah, that isn't my thing. I'm done. And they just walk away. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it, please pause this podcast catch up binge watch and then please join us again the one thing yes there is a mystery that has to be unraveled and the big moment and for me my little bit of a frustration comes with like the first season the first season to me felt like they dragged them and uh i was like okay you guys are really taking your time trying to get to where it needs to go and i'm like okay then they're feeling around you always forgive people the first season star trek the next generation the first two seasons were not the greatest and usually tv shows the third season seems to be the season they all get it together and the third season to me here was the better one so i can say they've gotten better as they're moving on and they're starting to feel uh their way for the characters uh, i keep comparing it to Voltron on Netflix. I love the <laughs> Voltron on Netflix. It's the same company. It but is, they had yeah. episodes and seasons that were just pointless. And well, uh, I hope they're at least going somewhere. The, I Before before we uh, I met you to do the podcast, that was what I was telling everybody that was asking, well, what's She-Ra like? And I'd basically say, well, if you watch Voltron, it has that flavor of it. Um, the only thing it's the was, same guys. It, it, it is the same, guys, but it, it, honestly, the season three stuff made me just go, did they basically take the same thing from season whatever the final season of Ultron was and just go, let's put she on here? Because that whole season was about Hagar wanting to rewrite everything and go back to the beginning and turn herself into like a normal person again after everything she'd been through with Zarkon. And... I'm like, I'm watching this whole thing, and it's like Katra did the same thing on that final few episodes with with the portal on She-Ra. And I, I, I was watching that going, it's interesting. I love storylines where it's the race against time, and, you know, the hero has to solve the problems. And, and also on top of that, one of my favorite characters of the entire new She-Ra show is uh, Madame Raz, the new Raz. I love the way they did her. Because I like that she's just this like crazy woman. Because in on the original show, I was like, she sounds like this kind of like New York Yenta lady or something. Like <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it properly. But on this one, there's like a reason to her, you know. And there's feels like they're trying to really make the. Uh, she's part of the mystery of it all, you know. And the Mara, yeah. uh, she, she she went to Mara and all that. But I was also like, 
I kind of wish they could have done something that didn't make me think I'm watching Voltron again, in a sense, because it was kind of the same thing. Reality is going to end and all this stuff. And I was like, even on Voltron, I wasn't thrilled that they went there because I felt like that was stretching what they were doing. So it, it I don't know. It worked a little better for Shira because it gave you those little beats, I guess. And you saw the characters from the first episode into this episode and those little character beats. And you're watching it going, even though this wasn't my show, I enjoy this the way it is now. You know, like I, I, I don't want to see this end. And I hope she wins, you know, and all that stuff. No, I was going to point out, let me talk about a little bit of character design. Because once you see Ben 10 and you see Shira, it's the same person. Uh like really, I mean, don't don't put Ben Ten and Shira next to each other. They they look like they're the same person. And um, part of it, I get that. Okay, these guys were trying to do different body images. I'm perfectly on board with that. But what was wrong with like having our characters with personality? At least I get not the same mold. But what was wrong with filmation? Like like to me, part of this the series. It's like they completely saw the filmation and they want to say it was the terrible, it was bigoted, you know, this cartoon that you saw. And again, people will come, come up to me and say, no, you're wrong. It's not like that. But to me, it feels like, especially that one episode where they paid tribute to the Shira, and yeah. I don't call it tribute. I think it was kind of an insult <laughs> that this is like, oh, that filmation was terrible. Our show is better. And I do feel like they kind of disrespect the filmation. They don't honor it. They kind of disrespect it. Well, it might be me, it, but... In the show? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. The show that I found a little bit strange was uh, how they did her costume. They gave her a skirt and they gave her a skirt. She's wearing shorts and a skirt. And it kind of confused me a little bit, honestly, because I'm like, um, one or the other, pit, please. Yeah, out of all the elements of design on her costume, that's the part that every time I see it, I'm like, I can't stand that part of it, personally. Well, like um, I said, I have a problem because she looks like Ben 10. <laughs> I, I, we're, we're in, a, like, all of us are removed from the generation that it's aimed at. So in this way, it is a little like we're, we're doing guessing games. But, like, for me, I know there's certain people out there that go, what was wrong with Filmation? Like, you're asking. And for me, as a kid... It was just one of those things where I'd watch a superhero show or I'd watch a superhero movie and it would be obvious to me that these characters would be a stylized ideal of this is who you you would look like if you were doing this and protecting the world or whatever. And so I just accepted that. It wasn't something that I'd always be like, well, they didn't look like me or whatever, because, hell, I'm a seven year old kid watching this. Of course, I don't have like an eight pack of abs and all this other stuff like I'm a kid, but I'm enjoying the embracing the power that the stories are, are talking about and stuff. It made me feel like I could be like that or whatever. And I think in this day and age, there is a certain tendency to like tiptoe around things or to be all inclusive about things. And I don't think there's a problem with that per se, but I do feel like it is a cartoon, you know, it's a, you don't have to be, worried about all this stuff you could make these characters more filmation-esque in a way it it made sense because filmation made them feel like they were in their 20s and they were trying to do this if you look at the stories that they're telling with this show they're saying you know like a 15 year old kid is going to war because their parents are too afraid to do it 
that's messed up if you really put your thought behind that. It's like, I don't know of any kids that should be having to fight a war their parents should be doing for them at that point, you know? And it, it's a, it's kind of a messed up world. So I don't know. Like it, it is, it, it's a, it's a crazy concept compared to filmation. It was, here's these 20 somethings. They're all getting together to rebel against this oppression. That for me was like, okay, simple. I kind of feel like it's almost like a political stance for the younger generation standing up for the older generation we're dealing with now in politics, kind of a way how they're doing that. Like they're going to have to fight the uphill battles that apparently we're failing to do. And I, I can understand that. Yeah. There's some political stuff in the original Shira. I mean, we had an episode about book burning. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and there's this this uh, the theme is you know technology versus magic and love basically you know in the old show. I, I feel like there were for the time you know other people could probably talk uh, more intelligently about this topic, but I feel like there were there were some uh, appropriate timely uh, political things in the old show. I mean, the old key man, they had uh, topics that were socially conscious. So I'm not saying it's inappropriate. They did that. I'm just saying that it kind of is a on the nose point. And I do want to speak like one thing, uh, a couple of things that I I do agree with the show. I do agree. The, uh, the diversity is addressed really well there and these characters do have a little more personality than their filmation i like mermista i think she's great as being like kind of like a negative goth you know kind of <laughs> attitude in it and uh when her boyfriend is seahawk in this one which i know crespo and uh, kelly used to have arguments about okay i get it you know i mean i'm i'm totally for that but sometimes i think like diversity is kind of forced like, I did not think, okay, why does Bo have to be black? You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong if he was uh, back to the Errol Flynn design the way they originally intended for. I would have been perfectly fine with that. But they decided, okay, let's diversify him, so let's make him black. Okay, fine. We'll do that. But now, uh, part Bo of it has is, two dads, yeah. Yeah, and okay, that's the, that's the world. That's perfectly fine. Sure. It's mm-hmm. just part of it is like they just seem to be like coming. Di- they're doing diversity just for the sake to do it. Some things I just don't think works. I, I didn't like, you know, how they redesigned those characters. But, okay, this is a stylized choice, like you said. But sometimes I just have some difficult with some of their decisions. But I do agree that they do have more effort in personality traits. You know, like. Some nobody questioned that Frosta is an Eskimo girl. Yeah, I kind of dig her actually. I like that her going out on missions with them makes her excitable because otherwise she's just very serious. But like you see her later on as she's making like ice fists and she's all excited to fight things. And it's like it's kind of fun to see that, you know, like it, she's got personality to spare there, you know. You can know, say she's miss- the Raphael of the group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is. It's like I still oh, miss the uh, the filmation one though. Well, filmation Frosta, especially when you put He Man next to her. You know, as a kid, I remember watching that. And going, I can't wait till a girl does that to me. You know, <laughs> there was always that feeling of like, wow, you know, it'd be nice if a girl looks like that. Hopes it gives me the same attention one day or whatever. And 
and and the whole you know being catty with him and when he was with Sweet B and all and I I enjoyed that but I I agree with the bow thing uh, to be honest I feel like there is a certain amount of it's they just want to do it to do it because they can in some ways but it's funny because I didn't really know who I was even going to like in the first season watching the show because I was still getting used to the the new characterizations because now it's like the friend squad and all that. And I remember going like, this is like Scooby-Doo. Like, no, we don't do the friends. It's the rebellion. It's the great rebellion. We can stick with that. Um, but he ended up being like my favorite character because he was the voice of reason 99% of the time. And that made me go like, at least they're making him a valid personality in that group, you know? And like on the old one, I, I, I love how on the secret of the sword, they have him talking to Adam's like, Adam, you're now in the Great Rebellion, and we salute you. And Adam's like, "Yeah, okay," you know, because he's like, "Yeah, you're you just want to talk, you want a monologue, dude." And he just walks away from it. And on this one, he's way more down to earth, and he's a techie, and that's kind of fun too, I guess. So and Seahawks just way out there. <laughs> Seahawks, oh, man. really See, excited, and <laughs> people hate him. The one the, on the groups that I uh, I'm in, they hate him. But I'm like, dude, every time he goes, adventure, I just giggle. I can't help it. Cause he's, yeah, it's like, it's outrageous. It's just, it's just crazy, but it's fun. He, he reminds yeah. me a little of Dr. Orpheus from uh, Adventure Brothers for that reason. You know, he's got that, he's got that way of talking. You know, it just works for me. It makes me laugh. So I'll say the one I like the most is in Trapper. Well, she's, I, yeah, she's number one for me, too. Yeah. I really liked how she's developed and how scatterbrained she is and how techy she is and how the friendship between her and Hordak. That was a very big surprise, but I like that too. And I like that she's making him feel better. That was, <laughs> that was killing me. So there's being this evil guy and then she's just like, it's okay. And she's giving him soup or whatever. And it's <laughs> well, it's great to see the level of character development that's in this She-Ra cartoon. Did we get as much character development for the, the cast as a whole in the filmation series? Oh, no, definitely mm-hmm. not. I mean, most of the filmation was either Glimmer, Shira, and then maybe, you know, I think if I have to pick the next level down would be Frosta. And even then, everybody else was like one tier. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they, mean, they have they, really lively personalities. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be time for them to develop the other ones a little bit more. I mean, I think they even made a comment, like in season two, with uh, Natasha and uh, Spinnerella. I think they even said, "Hey, uh, we're here, guys." You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> yeah. and okay, you know, and they're there and they have done their good, but they do give them personality. I do agree, and they are going somewhere with it. And uh, I, I really. I really, to honest goodness, wish um, I would have been more excited if uh, no, uh, what's it called, Noel Stevenson? I think that's the uh, head runner, the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she said, "Well, we don't know what Eternia or He Man would do," I would be like, even if I had that hope, right? Even if it was false hope, I, I would be a little more enthusiastic about the show that maybe someday, you know, He Man would show up. They would be its own story, its own design, nothing to do with revelations or anything else. And then we would at least know, okay, they're out there in its own universe. And it'll be another thing to add to the multiverse. But here, she's given me no hope. 
pointing out that with no hope, it does kind of sour me a little bit watching the episodes. I, I think the like I said, it, there's mysteries, and the, the to me it's like okay, we we kind of heard her shut the door on the idea that He Man's going to be a possibility. So then the mystery for me is then what are they going to do with this? And that's kind of what's keeping me going with it now that I got back into it. Because if they're not going to do He-Man, does that mean there's no Skull? And if they don't do Skull, then what is she in the honor of pulling this power from? So it could be something so off the wall that we might look at it and go, that is not what I expected. And some people will hate it and some people will go, that's actually fun because it's new. And like in my case, I'm a I'm a 50-51 on that one, to be honest, because sometimes when somebody throws something new at me, I'll like it because it gives me a new angle on something that I've already known chapter and verse for decades, you know. But then if it's not honoring it enough, I'll be like, eh, whatever, you know, like that was that was pointless then or whatever. So I think that we they're honoring it now just just by including it, by keeping it in the storyline that yes this is where her power came from yes you know she came from another planet by including those elements in there which are pretty essential really uh to shira's uh origins i feel like yeah that's that's the nod you mm-hmm. know um and if we don't get any more than that that's fine you know they've 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 kept those ties in place i think the other thing that i'm questioning every time is she turns into shira by just saying for the honor of Grayskull. Is there ever going to be a moment on the show where she finally says, I am Shira" when she transforms finally? Because it, to me, that would almost be her finally like saying, I'm it. You know, it's almost like she's definitively saying, I'm now Shira" Because the first couple seasons have been about her training, her even running away from it and being afraid of it and all this stuff. And like that, that moment. And it was one of the very first moments in this entire series where visually I got chills watching it. When Shira comes out of that portal, when she does everything to save the reality, and she just stands there holding the sword, I remember going like, wow. Like, that's the first true in-your-face moment where I go, that's Shira. And then when she gives that look to Katra, and Katra actually, like, you know, she she kind of, like, is frightened. I'm like, that works. So are we finally going to even get that? finally saying that line because she's embracing it now or whatever well going back to it i i don't like like you said i don't like that they're kids i would have appreciated more when they were in their 20s because just i said young soldiers would have worked a little better and i liked the flashback designs of shira you know when we saw those flashbacks to the previous one and that shira was an adult little more features, a little more confidence, a little bit more short of herself. I like that Shira design. But Agreed. this one, yeah, she it's just okay. It seems like so far three seasons her becoming her own. She needs to develop. I'm guessing there should be like again a battle armor Shira. There should be a, a uh, again the bubble power Shira, you know, to meet the the old uh, toy mods that we used to get. But uh, I just I just hope they just don't disappoint us in the storylines and meeting the writers, which, again, they did focus a lot on character development. But it did worry me when they really don't talk much about action. And so uh, that's where, again, I'm just worried about it. Yeah, that, That's actually that's a valid argument there, because it, thinking of the action, 
she has a sword. The sword play is fairly minimal and it's more about internal struggle and about her own, her own issues and stuff like that. And even when they, they, I, I hate to use the phrase, but like on the first season ender, you know, they're having it like, okay, she's going up against all this horde stuff and they have the first ones tech and all that stuff. And then they did basically a care bear stare and that's how they (laughs) won. And it's like that to me was like, I actually was dreading if they would do that. Cause I'm like, all of them have a color that would match the rainbow. Please don't let it. And then all of a sudden it's happening. I'm like, Oh, they, they did it. They did it. That just happened. Okay. And I, I guess for me, I'm just, you know, like I, when they said, for instance, with Revelations, we're going to have the Castlevania animators, the, um, oh, what, what, what's their name? At Powerhouse Studios. It's like, yeah. you're going to get exponential action on that show to make up for what they're not doing on this show and, and have it be, you know, impressive and probably pretty intense. Maybe part of that's the age group too, that they're, the demographic is, you know, seven to 12 year old or, or so. They're not trying to push the action violence angle. They're trying to push more of the friendship angle a lot on this series. Well, like you said, it's the demographic. And that's why anytime somebody brings it up, it's usually it's not my show, you know, and I'll I'll watch it. I love that my daughter's enjoying it. I love that the story is actually compelling enough that I'm like, well, what are they going to do with the horde? Are we going to get leech? Are we going to get Montana next year, you know, or next season? And some of the core characters and. But then it's like, what is this show's version of them going to be? Because not everybody's thrilled with the versions of those characters, except for Catra. Catra's the fan favorite. But then Scorpia, there's people who can't stand that version of Scorpia, and then there's other people that have embraced her. So, I don't know. It, it, well, that's what I was thinking about with Masters of the Universe tying it in, and I was thinking, well, what kind of design would they come up with, for, uh, come up with for He-Man and Skeletor and all the rest? Oh, I'm I'm almost afraid to to think about it. <laughs> that's that's also that's why I'm okay if they don't go there. To be completely honest, because I guess it, it opens the door to here's kids enjoying He-Man on another show, and it would make them happy. But then it's like, you know, for somebody like me or with us or other fans, there'd be an element of, well, that was nice, but that's not my He-Man. Just like this isn't my She-Ra for some people and stuff. But the, the to have the name out there and to have the idea out there still after all this time, you know, going on 40 years, I in some ways I'd be like, that's cool. At least He-Man showed up, you know, but it's anime He-Man again because New Adventures did a man already. <laughs> Hi, Renee here. We're having such a great time recording this podcast that we decided to make it a double episode, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure to click on the next file and check out part two of our September 30th, 2019 episode. Thank you for listening. This episode was a Nerds on a Couch production in association with AdultCollector.org.